Saturday. Nice. How you guys doing? It's the Dan Jacobs Show. It is a beautiful Saturday out there. What's it going to be in the 80s today? Dante Gomez with us just for a few seconds. You going to go to the, uh, well, the Rockies here? Yeah, they. Uh, I think the White Sox are in town this weekend. Oh, are, are the White Sox any good? No, not this year. Not this year? Are they good any year? Like, uh, they, had they, a, they had like three years ago they had a good season. They have, won a ti- have they ever won a title? They did. That's actually like the first World Series I remember, uh, 2006. They won that? Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was I'm, like A.J. Pruszynski, um Paul Canerco maybe was on that wasn't team. Wasn't that? I think that was the one. I th- what was the one where um, the broken bat? Was that uh, where uh, Roger Clemens picked up a bat, broken bat, and chucked it at somebody? Was that a White Sox World Series? It might have. They played the Astros, and I think Clemens was an Astro at some point. Maybe. Oh, okay. There was a World. <laughs> there was a World Series when I was working in Las Vegas. I'm trying to remember who that was. I thought it was Yankees versus. Was it the Yankees versus the White Sox? Um, well, they're both American League teams. So oh, I, I guess that could out. happen. All right. I'm trying to. Re- I'm trying to remember that one. <laughs> Um, but ironically enough, real quick, just a little antidote, the White Sox played the Astros in the World Series, and those are both two American League teams now. Oh, okay. But at the time, the Astros were in the end. Okay, so I pl- so we're broadcasting live from the Mandalay Bay. I was working at a national network, and Pete Rose, who's banned for gambling, uh, walking to the betting counter <laughs> to bet- place bets on the game. and um, But he was betting a lot of college, college football at the time, and um, so I went up to him and say, "Hey, Pete, can you can you come on over? We're broadcasting live from, uh, you know, from these little studios here." And he came on over, and uh, the, he got annoyed though because we had these screens that had all the all the uh, these little television screens in our studio that um, displayed all the games, and he got annoyed because one of the one of the hosts had his hand blocking one of the scores. And he's like, he had action on everything. Everything. So he's like, dude, move, move your hand. I, I Even though I'm doing this interview, I need to see, you know, how my teams are doing. That's fair. I, I'm on P. Rose's side for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He couldn't He couldn't be uh, annoyed. But um, anyway, yeah, so you're... Uh, you're still, are you still do, still doing victory laps on the Rockies' attendance numbers? Are you, are you? A little bit, just because I was, you know, like definitively very right on that. So I feel pretty good about right, that. Right, so the first... First uh, weekend of the season, numbers were down a little bit. And it, was like, it was a little longer. It was like the first three weeks. Okay, so Andrew Mason, who's thrown in the towel. Like, he, he's been actually been on this show and other shows and said, man, I was wrong about this. But early on, um, there was an article saying, wow, Rockies fans are really standing up and showing their disgust with Rockies ownership, and they're not, gonna sh- they're not showing up. And so to start the season, attendance numbers were down a little bit. They were like, I don't know, 18th in the in the majors as far as attendance. And you stood up and said, hey, wait a minute. That's not fair. Just wait and see. They will go back up. There were some, you know, go ahead and say what you said. There was just some, like, other circumstances that went into it. it we had a really rainy early part of uh, summer slash spring, whatever you want to call it. And then also the quality of team that was in town was not the same as it was last year because in the article he referenced last year's attendance. It was also um, midweek too, right? And there was, that was the last part was um, it was after so each uh, the numbers that he was grabbing were from after three series, but 
the three series last year, two of them were weekend series with like one of them being like against the Phillies and like they were all three pretty good teams. And then this year it was two weekday series in one weekend. So I don't think those are really too comparable at the, in the moment I said that. And then obviously it's kind of shown that they weren't really comparable right. either. <laughs> yeah. And then now attendance is just insane. It, it's like it does not matter that, um, you know, they're, they're terrible. You and I were actually doing the math. As to, because I, I, you know, I was, I, I'm just keeping an eye on the standings. It's like, because I, for the longest time, I'm like, they're not going to lose 100. And it's going to be close, but we were doing the math, and I think they have to win 16 games out of, I think they have 40 remaining um, to not lose 100, to only lose 99. And uh, so it's going to be close. Yeah, I guess that's a new benchmarker for a successful Rocky season this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but attendance-wise, yeah, I was at the game on Tuesday. Um, you know, midweek game against the D-backs who, you know, aren't they're having an okay season, but it was pretty packed pretty packed uh, course field that night. So, yeah, we'll talk to you because uh, it was an interesting conversation. Of course, the the, the Bron- by the way, real quick, um, people on the text line remind, I knew it was something special about that series. It was the Subway series. It was the Yankees versus the Mets. So there was something special about that. It was two New York teams where um, I saw Pete Rose. We were, I was, of course, living in Las Vegas at the time, working for the Sports Fan Radio Network. Actually, we'll have one of the hosts um, he, that, uh, yeah, I always make fun of him. I said, you made the Sports Fan Radio Network what it is today. Actually, my, uh, the guy that you'll be working with tonight, uh, Dante, Chad Andrus, uh, also worked there. Uh, he'll be doing the post game tonight here on the on the fan. Uh, he was on you know, so I'll actually have a couple of those guys on tonight. He'll be doing the uh, Chad Andrews will be doing our post game tomorrow. Steve Cofield, who is a afternoon drive host in Las Vegas, we all work together at a place called the Sports Fan Radio Network. Uh, that was where we had Pete Rose come on and do um, a few minutes because he was placing bets on the Subway Series. So yes, thank you, Texters. Um, for re- reminding us. Uh, so what happened was Mike Piazza hit, uh, I think he had a broken bat like single or something. The you know, A piece of the bat flew into the field and Roger Clemens picked it up like it was a baseball and then chucked it like a spear at, you know, Mike Piazza. Um, but anyway, I was going to talk to you. So obviously la- last week the Broncos played your hometown Arizona Cardinals, and it is literally so uninhabitable there. Human beings, because you, you've become, for a while there, it's kind of died off because you just don't work this show that much anymore. But for a while, you on the station had taken the face of one of the villains on the show, partly because you had been espousing you know, what a great place it is. Go to Arizona. I live there. It's, you know, it's kind of a nice place to be. And what they were talking about on the drive was it's literally kind of such a suck hole place to live that the cacti are dying. They're wilting in the heat, like literally not even desert uh, plants that are supposed to be able to live and you know perhaps thrive in that environment are dying now. Because nothing really should be living there anymore. It is becoming so unfit for life of almost any kind 
the cactus are dying, and we are wasting so much of our precious, you know, natural resources to try and like, you know, pipe in air conditioning and make it habitable for humans that not even the natural, natural, you know, uh, you know, plants and, and, you know, things that have, you know, normally live there can survive anymore. And so I thought, yeah, maybe we'll ask you about that. What do you think that not even the cactus can live there anymore? I mean, that's always kind of, you know, every once in a while in the summer, you'll see some dead cactuses. I mean, and they're, you know, adapted to be living there in the heat. So it is kind of crazy to see that even they can't make it. Um, I mean, I never said it wasn't hot in the summer, but Arizona is still a nice place to live. I think, you know, it's not like the best place to live, but I think it was, I had a good time growing up there. I liked yeah. it. Um, but, yes, no, I did watch the game. Did you see the uh, the video the Cardinals, um, uh, like, media team put out afterwards and then got deleted? No. I know that. Oh, did you not see this? There was like a big hubbub. Um, there was like a viral video of like from a month ago, this lady like freaking out on a plane. Have you seen that video? Oh, yeah. Karen, yeah. yeah. No, no, no it wasn't. Yeah, but she wasn't like yelling at like people. She was just kind yes. of like. She was kind of some people. Potentially hallucinating. Some people <laughs> think she's kind of hot, but yeah. Yes, exa- yes, that lady. Um, so they mixed that video. And put of, a cardinal thing on her chest. Yes, but then it goes, you know, like that blank back there is not real. And then it cuts over to. Russell Wilson doing workouts, and they edited it into the plane. Oh, uh, okay. It was very funny, but I think a lot of Denver people took uh, some problems with it. But um, I thought it was funny, but they ended up deleting it. But So I thought maybe you saw that. Oh, so the Cardinals actually produced that? Yes. No, they made the video. Oh, like okay. The Cardinals PR team, or not PR team, but, like, you know, the social media team. I'm sure, you know, it wasn't, like, Kyler Murray and, uh, you know, the new coach, Jonathan Gannon, weren't, like, you know, scheming up the memes. But, uh, yeah, the social media team put it out. But I think... I think DMAC had some problems with it. He's like, really? We're going to make fun of people preseason? But. Oh, okay. Well, it's funny. So the original one like that was there was a guy named Kirk Reynolds who was the PR guy for the 49ers. And he produced this real salacious video, but it was only supposed to be for the players, like what not to do. And it was a behind-the-scenes one, and it was just terrible. I mean, it was like – I think it was like racist and sexist, and but it was never supposed to get out, and it got out. And everybody really liked this guy. He was a legendary PR guy, and he was kind of young. You know, he's probably like my age now. He's like probably in his mid-40s, and it was funny. And But it was, you know, it was, again, only supposed to be for the players. Well, it got out. And so he, unfortunately, he lost his. It was like a parody. It was it was satire, but it was supposed to be something, you know, you know, to get the players' attention, you know. But it was like, hey guys, don't do this. And it was kind of funny. Well, it got out, and so unfortunately, this guy Kirk Reynolds lost his job. And then a couple of years later, so he became like legendary, but for like for a bad reason. And I don't know. Did you guys ever see that movie, um, Dick and Jane? Like it was a, it was a Jim Carrey movie, and so fun with Dick and Jane. Yeah, fun with yes. Dick and Jane, and so it was like literally he was doing he got indicted. This guy, so you know, it was like about how things go viral. Well, Kirk Reynolds went viral, and it was like, oh, you're that guy. Oh my God, it's Kirk Reynolds. So like years later, he called me on something when I was working here at the station, and I'm like, so it was kind of funny. Like, uh, you know, in the movie, Jim Carrey is like you know doing a job interview. And so he, like, invites everybody in. You know, guys, it's him. It's Dick. Get in here. Everybody, get in here. And so it was, I, I had one of those moments. I'm like, oh, my God, Kirk Reynolds, it's you. 
guys, get in here, Kirk Reynolds. And, you know, he was a, fu- he was a cool dude, but you can't do that. And so it was kind of like that, you know, you know, the, you know, the, I guess the Cardinals producing a video having to, to delete it. And so, I, you know, is that what, you know, DMAC was doing? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I still think it was dumb they deleted it. it it's, it's football. You're allowed to have fun. Like, obviously. No, not anymore. Yeah, apparently. Cancel culture. Apparently, you're not allowed to make fun of people. And it's not like they were taking, like, a massive victory lap. They just made a funny video. Right. I don't know. It wasn't like they were like, oh, our football team's that much better than you guys. <laughs> but I was thinking it's crazy that we never would have saw it if there wasn't, like, that miracle last-second touchdown. Oh, yeah. That, that hilarious video would have just gone unknown. Right. If, uh, you know, a miracle didn't happen. Oh, because, yeah, you went for two. Therefore, hey, we won a preseason game. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I thought I thought actually the, the the reason that the Cardinals would celebrate was they they did dominate the Broncos first team offense with their second team. I mean, the, the you know the Cardinals did the the thing that we were reacting to. I did the post game show, but I think the 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 thing that Broncos country in general was reacting to was the Cardinals are projected to be maybe perhaps the worst team in the league. Right. Um, And so they didn't play their starters. The Broncos did play their starters and the Cardinals dominated the Broncos starters. I mean, that's what happened. And Russell Wilson and the offensive line and everybody struggled. And so they had to go for it on fourth down and then they got a touchdown. And so if if the, the Cardinals were to take a victory lap, they could. They could say the Broncos came out. They played their starters. And by the time I don't even remember, you know, because I just don't know the Cardinals, you know, uh, roster well enough to even know by the time the Broncos starters went for it on fourth down on their fourth possession. I don't even know who the Cardinals had in like, you know, who who was playing for the Cardinals at that point for the Broncos to get their, you know, touchdown by the time Russell Wilson and crew was going for it on fourth down, which they would not have done in a in, in a regular, you know, Broncos game. So that was the discussion we were having at the time. So yeah, if the if the Cardinals will you know were wanting to take victory laps, they were certain, you know, certainly in their, you know, realm that they could do. Now, I guess what probably DMAC was doing was saying, are we really doing that? But if you're the Cardinals you can have fun. We're allowed to have fun, right? Is that what you're I saying? I think so. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a funny video. It's not like we were like talk. It, the video doesn't even like talk about like the Broncos football skill at all or like talent level at all. It's just making fun of like. I mean, we made fun of Russell Wilson last year for the plane thing, right? So we're allowed to make fun of him, but all of a sudden the Cardinals social media team does, and it's like, oh, what are we doing now? I don't know. I thought that was a little. Right. Yeah. So what? What? So we have James Merrill coming up and now. His kids, you know, scrimmaging. So we're not going to talk to him for like a long time. But like we had, uh, so I was filling in for the Players Club last week, and so James and I. Um, James was nice enough to fill in for, uh, you know, not quite an entire hour, but he, he was nice enough to fill in, and he and I had a nice discussion. But what we'll talk about later in the show, and I'm going to tease it now. I think that. Russell Wilson has become a young Darth Vader. He's become Anakin Skywalker. We'll talk about that later in the show. But what James Merla has basically turned this into is if you talk about Russell Wilson at all, if you if you have any um, discussion 
at all about what, what James is saying is if you talk about Russell Wilson at all, you either love him or you're a hater. There's it, it's you're speaking at, speaking in absolutes now. That's it. You you're either with him or against him. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk to James Merrillat coming up next, and we'll see in the in the week that has gone by now. Can you have a you know well reasoned middle ground perspective, or do you have to be one hundred percent with Russell Wilson? Well, we're going to talk to the man coming up next from DenverSports.com, James Merrillat coming up next. Did you pick this or is this an assistant? Yeah, you, we gotta get on the same page. This is terrible. This does not get me in the groove. But you know what does? James, are you listening to this stuff? Can you hear it in your headphones or in your, your ear? Hey, I got it. I got it. It's not the normal uh, intro song when I'm uh, when I'm coming on. It's not the normal Dan Jacobs show kind of music. So you know, little variety is not uh, not a bad thing, though. This uh, is a bad I'm, thing. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Colin a break on this one. I'm not. This is a bad thing. Like, what's he doing? He, he thought this would get us going for a segment. Like, you know, everybody <laughs> looks forward to what's about to unfold for the next ten or twelve minutes. I know you, you're in the, uh, you're out there. Uh, what's going on? Your son's uh, play. You know, last week you're doing a barbecue. Um, to raise a little money for the uh, football team now. So now the football team is uh, in action. Now you're not coaching this team. You have what do you have? A couple teams? Yeah, uh, the, yeah. So this is a different team than last week. Last week I was at uh, Broomfield High School. That's my uh, my middle son. That's my freshman. This is my senior. So uh, we are up in Gilcrest, which is on Highway 85, a uh, little little south of Greeley at Valley High School. Very nice, uh, very nice setup here. Watching the, uh, the the preseason scrimmage. But you're not coaching? football all day today, Dan. But are you coaching later? Somebody said you're actually a pretty good coach. Oh, that's nice. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Our opener for my sixth grader, which is the team I coach, is uh, is next Saturday. So we're we're fixing to find out. Okay. Uh, yeah, he said you're pretty good. You know, pretty good with the uh, not the ones and twos, but I guess the uh, the playbook. I'm a I'm a motivator, Dan. That's what I do. I know how to push buttons. <laughs> all right. Yeah. You got you. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. But not a screamer. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, I bark a little bit. The refs, the refs don't uh, don't care for it, but that's uh, that's uh, to be expected, right? Yep. All right. Well, we uh, we I I got a lot of good feedback. We did. Was it Monday? Did I did I host Monday? I had you on for a few segments. I got a lot of good feedback on uh, on our segment, but I think um, what I'm taking away after a week of processing is we got a little uh, Darth Vader action going on with. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson, which I'll get into later in the show. Um, but you, you came out and you're basically like, Russell Wilson has a bunch of haters. I'm trying to be fair down the middle, but is that what we've come to? Is that um, you're either with Russell Wilson or you're against him? Well, no, no, no. You can you can be fair. I'm all, I'm all for fair. I think for the most part you've been fair. I think Stokely and Zach for the most part are fair. I do think there are a lot of people out there, and you'll see it tonight, right? If the Broncos go out, let's say they go three and out again on the first drive, you will immediately see who the Russell Wilson haters are. They, they, they've exposed themselves, and that's what I wrote about on Monday was that, you know, when, when you're out there at the first or second day of training camp 
and you're jumping all over him, not you, but the Royal you, um, you know, or the first drive or the first pass of the first preseason game, or you're criticizing a completion that he has that should have been or could have been intercepted by Damari Mathis. It's like, come on, you're just exposing yourself as a hater. You're, uh, you, you jump into conclusions. I, I think there's plenty of middle ground. I think I'm in the middle. I, I mean, I'm, I'm predicting that Russell Wilson is going to have a big bounce back season. I think he's going to have a, a really good year. But if, he's, if he plays poorly, I'm going to call him out on it. I'm not going to just, uh, you know, stick by my position. So I don't think it's come to that with you, Dan. I think there's a certain contingent, though, that doesn't like Russell Wilson for mostly off-field stuff. And doesn't matter what the guy can do does. He can't win. I think there's certainly a, a percentage of Broncos country that falls into that category. Yeah, it was interesting. I heard you on the drive, and I actually was, you know, in my mind as I was driving, giving you credit because you you on that. I mean, you're all over. You're you're Mister you're Mister uh, Prime Time. You're you're all over the station, both at DenverSports.com. But you're on. Uh, you do a great job every time I listen to you. I think it's one of you know one of the highlights. But you're on the drive, and you you actually said, "Hey, coming into last season." I had Russell, I, I was thinking to myself, I, I hope Russell Wilson does a really good job because I'm having some Russell Wilson fatigue. But now you're on the other side of that equation. You're saying we just want to, you know, you, and, and you're predicting Russell Wilson is going to come out and play well, but you want to see him get a fair shake. And you're on the other side of the equation now saying you don't think he's getting a fair shake. You're, you think people are actually now rooting against him. Yeah. I, and look, last year, and it wasn't all Russell Wilson's fault. Most of it was, right? It was all the social media stuff. It was, hey, I'm in Monaco. I'm in Monte Carlo. I'm at Wimbledon. I'm, you know, at the at a soccer pitch somewhere in England, you know, working out just nonstop. And then you also had the head coach talking constantly about, you know, it's all about Russ. And then, look, the media played a part in it. Every single person that went up to the podium at every mini camp and OTA was – you know, asked about Russell Wilson. What is, what's it like to sit next to Russell Wilson in the in, in the lunchroom? I mean, it was just nauseating. And, yeah, by, by July of last year, I was like, God, we got to play some football because I am over it. This year is different. He's, he's changed his ways. And I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, I think that, you know, look, we, we all overstep, get over our skis, however you want to put it, and try to do something we're probably not capable of. I think that's actually an admirable trait, right? You're trying to do – trying to push yourself, trying to do new things. But the, the only sin in that is if you don't realize when, you're, when you've made a mistake and you are stubborn and you refuse to change, Russell Wilson hasn't done that. He realized, hey, I need to lose 15 pounds. Hey, I need to not be so, you know, out in front with social media. Hey, I not, need to not have an office on the second floor and, and act like a coach. And he's done all of those things. So I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and now it comes down to football. It comes down to can he play? I thought for the most part, other than the first pass against Arizona, I thought he played really well. And I think people don't understand when they, they look at the numbers and don't look at it and say, yeah, but what are his completions, right? It's 13 yards. It's 19 yards. It's down the field, past the stick, two wide receivers. It's not just captain check down or throwing moon balls. Every quarterback in the league, starter, backup, third teamer, can do those two things. The special quarterbacks can drive the ball down the field, intermediate passes into the teeth of his own defense. Russell Wilson showed he can do that. So, yeah, we gotta we gotta get keep an open mind, see what he does on the field, and judge him based on his play. Well, okay, so it's weird because um, that's what I think I'm doing. It's cool because social media, you know, does things that we didn't actually have before. They took all of his 
of you know, it's about two minutes, two, you know, two three minutes. It's a nice video. They can actually do that. They string together all of his plays from last week, and it's not terrible. It's reasonable, right? He, I didn't think he looked special, but he had some nice plays where he opened guys. They were good throws. He had so he had some plays that were not great. Um, he was let down on you know a couple plays where a receiver or at least one where a receiver. You know, bro, you know, Russell actually did what you were just saying, showed he can do it. You know, receiver let him down. Um, so I just think it was a, you know, okay, but not special performance. But the good thing is, I, all the indications was he had a, you know, a, you know, nice week of practice. And we get to see him do it again tonight against, you know, what I think we all agree should be, you know, depending on what Kyle Shanahan wants to show tonight, you know, a higher level of competition hopefully, and the Niners, just because I think we all would like to agree that, you know, depending on what they put out on the field, you know, may not be, you know, it's not great, you know, but they just do it better as an organization. So we should be seeing a higher level of competition. So we get to see a little bit more tonight, which is that kind of what we, you know, the line of thinking should be, James? Yeah, I think that's fair, but I do think it's funny because that was, again, a, a way in which some of the haters exposed themselves last weekend. As soon as Russell Wilson looked good, it was, ah, oh, he's doing it against the backups for the worst team in football. Look, NFL teams, and we, we fall into this trap every single week throughout the regular season, thinking there's these mismatches, and every week there's a big upset. It's why, you know, trying to be in an eliminator pool is almost impossible in the NFL because it's not Alabama and Austin P which is what people tend to think when they're talking about, you know, the Niners and the Cardinals. The, the talent level at the, at the end, when you get to the NFL between the bad teams and the good teams isn't that huge. It's the top of the roster, right? It's the five to ten most uh, – the highest paid guys. It's the quarterback, and it's the head coach. That really is what separates teams. That's why the Broncos, I think, are in good shape this year if they can stay healthy. But, yeah, tonight will be a test, right? He's going to play, what, 20, 25 plays, probably play into the second quarter. But if you extrapolate what they did offensively last week, and, you know, that's always a dangerous thing, but he throws for 250 to 300 yards, throws a couple touchdowns, they put 25 to 30 points on the board. It's like, hey, that's a heck of a game. That's a really good game. And from where this team has come, that's a huge step in the right direction. So let's see it tonight. I'd love to see, you know, a quarter and a half, maybe even a half, and, you know, get a couple scores on the board, get into double digits. Um, I, I think he played – I thought he played really well last week. I thought the, the incompletion to Jerry Judy, where he had to scramble, get outside, and he looked like Russell Wilson in Seattle, I thought was the most encouraging play we've seen out of him since the trade. If we can uh, if we can see a little bit of that tonight, that'd be great. He needs to not take as many hits, though, Dan. I mean, good grief. Give the guy credit for toughness, but if he takes those kind of hits throughout the regular season, he's not going to last till. Uh, till Halloween, that 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 offensive line needs to do a much better job. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. Uh, what do you think we'll see out of the offensive line? Do you uh, did, uh, did what are the reports this week? Has ha, have they improved? I thought we've seen we've heard the offensive as a whole has done better. The wide receivers are playing better. Maybe the tight end group has played a little bit better, and it's it sounds like Russ is playing better. Has the offensive line improved throughout practice at least this week? Yeah, they seem to, um, right? I mean, the first week, it was the Nick Benito show, right? He was dominating whoever he went against, and the entire you know defensive front was dominating. The edge rushers were dominating. He was the standout guy. 
you didn't see any of that this week being down there. I thought the offensive line was much better. Um, when Garrett Bowles was out there, he was better. Cam Fleming kind of settling in there, Mike McGlinchey spot. So uh, I do think that they'll they'll look more like a cohesive group at this point, right? If we're going to say, hey, you got to be patient with Russell Wilson, well, to some extent, you got to be patient with the offensive line too. Five guys that have to learn to to you know play in unison and in sync and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So um, I think they'll be better tonight. I think they have to be. It's interesting being down there Thursday. It was essentially a practice that was all about running the football. And that's always a little tricky when you're not tackling to the ground. But they did do a much better job. They were opening up holes for Javante Williams, who we'll see tonight, uh, for Samaji P. Ryan, and for Jaleel McLaughlin, who got a lot of first-team reps that day, which was interesting. So I think they'll be better. I think they'll try to establish the run a little bit more than they did last week. But uh, that group has to be better. So that is, that is my number one thing to watch tonight. And it's my number one concern other than health heading into the season is can this offensive line open up some holes in the running game and protect Russell Wilson? If they can, if they give him time, then he's going to have the kind of year that I've been uh, trying to tell people that he's going to have. All right. So last one for you, you kind of foreshadowed it. And this is the approach I've been taking all along. I don't want to get too worked up um, about preseason and training camp. I think we have to be patient. It's not fair to expect Sean Payton to have this team molded and just look like a you know a championship contender right away just because he came in and, and says, I'm Sean Payton. Um, so I think it will take a little bit of time, like you said, with Russell Wilson and the offensive line. However, my area of concern is, okay, if they need a little time, especially I think it's going to take time into the regular season. But my concern is the success for this team probably, and again, you know what, the, the – you know, they'll be getting to the season and you can kind of, you know, throw the schedule out the window. But appearances is this team is set up to have success a little bit early in the season and then it gets a little bit tougher later in the season. Is that a concern that if they have to get their deer legs, their baby, you know, mama, you know, uh, baby deer legs shaky and then they, they stand firmer as they, they, you know, mold into shape? Is that a problem if they don't rack up the wins early? Yeah, it's going to be a major problem. I think when you open with the Raiders and with the commanders at home, you have to start 2-0. and The Miami game's tough, but then you play Chicago, who should have had the first pick in the draft until they traded it away. So that's a 3-1 that's a and one start just handed to you. I think if you if you end up anywhere short of that, I think you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball, and then you got to figure, okay, well, where are we going to pick up a win down the road that nobody expected us to, right? And you start looking at the schedule, and it's Monday night in Buffalo on November 13th or whatever it is. I mean, there are some, some tall orders. So I think they have to get off to a good start. I don't think there's any excuse not to, right? I mean, it's, I get that the start of training camp, you know, you're going to, you got to ramp up, you got to build up, but everybody has known September 10th is the date. You got OTAs and mini camps and camp training camp and three preseason games. There's no excuse to not all be on the same page and ready to go for the opener. So uh, I expect them to be, I don't think this is something where we should look at it and say, Oh, you know, by week five, they'll be hitting on all cylinders. Nope. You got to do that week one. Uh, against the Raiders. I think this team has uh, a schedule that allows them to start off hot. And, man, if you get some momentum going, then all of a sudden it starts rolling down the right side of the hill. And we saw the opposite last year, Dan, right? So if if they don't fumble twice at the goal line against the Seahawks, if they don't just give away a game against the Colts that they had, all of a sudden you look at it and say, hey, they're 3-2, and they're 4-1, and who knows what's going to happen. The Broncos can't afford to put themselves behind the eight ball here and see the thing go down the wrong side of the hill. So I expect them to get off to a good start, and there's no excuse not to. All right, James Merrill, thank you so much for your time. I know you're uh, busy with the uh, 
The kids, man, you got three guys playing sports at the same time. That's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's wonderful, but it's uh, keeping your schedule. Thank God, uh, God you, have, you have all that staff at the uh, Maryland compound. It is a uh, it is a lot of football. I mean, the chauffeurs are busy, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll 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 tip them extra. All right, thanks, James. <laughs> See you, Dan. Uh, that's James Merlad from DenverSports.com. So nice of him to take some uh, time out uh, while he's uh, doing the family thing. If you want to react to James, you can get involved in the program several ways. The uh, RamosLaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. As always, you can text in that way. The uh, phone lines are open as well. Uh, you know, we always are open to uh, taking phone calls on the show as long as you're good. You know, you can't just be uh, stuttering around, spitting out sentence fragments like I do sometimes. Uh, leave that to me. Uh, but also you can, uh, you know, do a phone call if you want to get your uh, voice on the airways or at Dan T. Jacobs Law. That's at Dan T. Jacobs Law on the, I guess it's X now, but uh, Twitter. Twitter used to be Twitter is fine. As well, you know what we say. If you're bringing something funny, if you're bringing something clever, uh, clever, uh, we'll make you famous. We'll read your stuff right here on these very airwaves. All right, so your chance to react coming up next. Did I stutter? That's better, Colin. I like it. That's least funny. Because, you know, it's funny. This next text I was going to read. It's actually two texts. The, the, the last one, and, the, and this guy didn't put his name on it, but um, the last one says, I don't know if that's the worst song I've ever heard, but it's right up there from the song you played last segment. Well, it was, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake, Sexy Back. I thought it, you know, just bring some sexy Broncos back. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I get what you're trying to do, but um, no. we just, you know, we try, and it's got to be very basic for me. It's got to be upbeat. Uh, it's got to be happy. It's got to be um, something old. You know, it's basically got to be old and uh, something I'll recognize. And uh, anything, um, <sighs> you, you'll figure it out. Good luck. But the other uh, part of it is he sent in pictures. It says, Dan, I made bird ends from pork belly, and it turned out good, but I won't do it again. Just too much fat. I thought I could cook it away, melt it away, but it didn't happen. Um, if you got good pork belly, um, the fat will taste good. Um, that's the amazing thing about a good pork belly. Like, you can roast pork belly. And I thought, you know, yeah, it'll be so fatty you won't want to eat it. But a good pork belly, the fat, you, it won't bother you at all. Now, the burnt ends with pork belly is weird. Um, I've told the story a million times. I won't go into it. But, I, you know, I call it my medicine man story where I made the most perfect burnt ends ever. I didn't even want to serve them because we just wanted to eat them all in the kitchen ourselves because it was for an event. And I'm like, I'll never replicate this, right? Like, you know, like Sean Connery and Medicine Man with the Cure for Cancer. Like, he... You know, made the found the cure for cancer and you know some jungle and you know the rainforest and he, he lost the recipe. Uh, you know, but if you make burn ends and they turn out right, like it's the you know it is the best thing you'll ever taste. 
but it's so hard to get that. And then, you know, other times, you know, you'll make them and they're good and people eat them and like, oh, these are pretty good. Or like some in the batch, you know, because you'll make a lot of burnt ends out of a pork belly. Um, But some of them will be really, really good. And other ones will be like, oh, this is kind of good. But, you know, the the because, you know, pork belly basically has two parts like the top, which is all fat. And then the bottom, which is, you know, kind of meat. Um, and that part, you know, it will have a different consistency. But if you do it right, both parts are just melt, boom, just like butter. <laughs> and it's amazing. But there's another way you can do pork belly where you just roast it basically in the oven. Like you put a good seasoning on it, uh, a really savory type seasoning. And then you put a little wire rack in there. And then you might put like a little bit of uh, juice in there. And you just roast it until it's a perfect golden brown. And then you slice that, and it's just money, man. And then you just the fat, you know. It's just people don't care. Now, I was I was gonna say I was kind of sad I, when I was in uh, St. Louis uh, to watch the Rockies on the road. They were out of all the burn ends. Oh no! Yeah, I, I and this is I mean we're talking to noon on a Sunday. All of them gone. Oh wow! Yeah, that stinks. So I was telling the story Thursday. So we did the we did the free meals. We did. And by the way, man, we we had a lot a lot. So we'll reuse it. You know, you can freeze barbecue. So we probably had. I don't know what happened, man. Because so last time we did the free meals, we did seven hundred and sixty four, which was a record for us. And um, I think that was uh, what did we have? We had, I did two hundred pounds of smoked chicken, which is a lot. And so this time it was pulled pork and I did 200 pounds of pulled pork. And, you know, which is, you know, usually when we do the barbecue, that's, that's big, you know, that's, you know, that's the high quality stuff. That's, you know, the, if I, you know, if I do brisket or pork, that's, you know, the best thing on our menu, you know, that's, you, you sell that, at, you know, a barbecue, you know, place that's, those are options one and two for me, 13 to $15 a pound, $18 a pound. So anyway, I mean, I was cooking my butt off, whatever. And um, I probably we probably had eighty pounds left over of, of pulled pork. We didn't have you know we, we I think we did five. We may have done six hundred meals, which is crazy. When we first started at the beginning of COVID, you know three hundred to four hundred meals was like a you know big deal for us. And now we're like oh we only did six hundred meals. <laughs> I mean good for you yeah <laughs> you know with that and it's you know but I was telling the story so. When I, you know, I built that, uh, we went over to Africa and we were working in this village. And, um, so I taught them how to, you know, we built a smoker for them and I, they were raising, they had, they were raising livestock and most of it they sold to make money for the village in this orphanage. But I was showing them, they didn't know how to butcher a, a hog. Like, so when they normally sold their hogs, but the ones they ate, um, I didn't realize this. You can breed um, a female, I guess it's a sow, so long, and then, but as she breeds, she gets fatter and fatter and fatter, and then, you know, nobody, you know, you have to stop breeding them, and then they'll just, you know, but nobody wants to buy that, so they eat that one. Um, but they get so fat, but it's a good, clean fat. It tastes good, but it's really, really fat. So I made a fresh pork belly for, you know, the people on the mission trip, but I, I cut off a lot of that fat even though it looked golden brown, because I just thought that's that's going to be it's too much. It's going to be un, unappetizing. It's going to be unappealing to people. So I cut it off, put it on a plate, and put it aside in the kitchen. People came by and was like, 
well, could I eat that? And they just ate the fat. I'm like, uh, uh, and they just, the fat was gone. I'm like, good God, people, control yourselves, <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, pork belly can be a uh, tricky lover, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I like it just roasted. I'll just roast it up. By the way, so I am going to, call, I'm going like you, I'm being like you, world traveler. Um, I'm spending, and I'll, you know, probably next, I think next week's my last shows before we go. I'm going to Texas. Um, yeah. For the TCU-CU game. And I've never really, well, I shouldn't say that. I, years and years ago, I uh, went to, and covered the Nuggets and Spurs in San Antonio. But that was different. That really, San Antonio, because I didn't stay in Austin. Austin, if I would have stayed in Austin. And this was before I was big into barbecue. This was probably 20 years ago. Um, but I didn't stay in Austin. I stayed in San Antonio. And San Antonio wasn't really big and there wasn't barbecue. It was like I went to Whataburger you know, it was probably the meal I remember the most. Um, but so I've never really spent a ton of time in Texas. So we are going to, we're going to go in Thursday. I'll go to the JFK thing. I'm a big JFK buff back when I was a kid. But we're just going to hammer barbecue, barbecue joints the whole time. So that'll be my big, I, I bet you we go to three or four barbecue joints. I, I've spent some time in Austin. Yeah, but <laughs> well, oh yeah? Oh, what, did you live there? Uh, no, no, I so I worked down there during during the pandemic. I got sent down there to work and help out a hotel. Um, oh, okay. And so I was down there, and so that was an all-expenses-paid trip. So I, I went to a few places since uh, everything was paid for outside of are you all my meals. Like, well, you, are you talking about restaurants? Or are you restaurants, about, every, like all my... clubs. Uh, no, no gentlemen's clubs. That's not quite my thing anyways. Nah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, all the, all the food I wanted to eat outside of the hotel was all included in my travels for a month in Austin. So one of the best burgers I've ever had, Casino El Camino in downtown. It's a heavy metal bar, mm. but... I, that's my first stop almost every time I go to Austin. Nice. And I still go down there two or three times a year. Yeah, so we're going to be in Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, so I don't know where we're staying yet. I don't know if we should stay in Fort Worth or, or in Dallas. Um, but, yeah, we're just going to, you know, I'll have to ask the listeners for uh, barbecue joints and things like that. So that's where we will be. Um, all right, we'll get to some more texts here. Let's see. Can we rebrand this? James, the leader of the Russell lovers, the rest of us are Russell realists. Yeah. Um, yeah, James just thinks, every, you know, he was, you know, kind to me saying, Dan, you're fair, but everybody else is just haters. You know, I think there are people that think that Russell Wilson is just spent. Um, we'll see. I mean, at the end of last year, to me, it looked like he was clearly in the decline. I think he probably is in the decline. Now there 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 may be the possibility that you know he was a byproduct of really good coaching and really good uh a really good organization there and a really good system. Um but he's also, you know, talented. Um and so maybe he could be resurrected here. I I I, I suspect even what I'm seeing here with Sean Payton, I suspect that he can be much improved this year if the offensive line holds up, but he is not going to be a, I think we're going to find out he's just, he was not what we thought he was and that he was not a top five, like special 
oh, Russell Wilson, like he thought he was, like, oh, I'm a Hall of Famer, I can come here and deliver three or four type, you know, championships because I'm just as good as a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, a Brett Favre, you know, quarterback. I, I was one of the, I am one of those type guys. I think, I think we're, you know, we're finding out and we have found out he's not one of those guys. Like he's a kind of a run of the mill, really, you know, when I say run of the mill, he's a good quarterback in the league, not great quarterback in the league, but he played in a system uh, or organization that was very well run and that put him in really good positions and really utilized his very, very good talents. So we're going to see this year, um, but what we've seen so far in camp is, you know, he, he's just not that special in that um, he can transcend. He's not, he's, he's not transcendent, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But that doesn't mean he can't be very, very good um, once we roll this thing out and we're, we're actually seeing live bullets. Because I just think right now, training camp, like none of this, you know how it's like you can practice all you want, like Ellen Iverson saying, like, dude, it's practice. And until they're doing it for real, like, I just don't think people are, and nobody is taking any of this too seriously right now. Just preseason has just become playtime. It's just nobody's taking it that serious. We can talk about that more um, as we roll on here. But I do want to get on to, man, what a big, big uh, conversation we've had about Mike Shanahan and the Hall of Fame. We'll get into that discussion coming up next.